From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. It is hard to believe it's December and we are well into the holiday season. It's been close to three years since the start of the pandemic and downtown Portland is still trying to recover. In this episode of Straight Talk, we look at the state of downtown Portland, how far it's come and what's ahead for the future. There's new data showing how we're doing. And while there are challenges, there's also reason for optimism. Here to give us their take, I'm pleased to welcome my guest, the president and CEO of the Portland Business Alliance, Andrew Hone. Kimberly Branham, executive director of Prosper Portland, the city's economic development corporation. And Megan Conway, chief strategy officer of Travel Portland, the region's visitor promotion and destination marketing district. Welcome everyone to Straight Talk. It's nice to have you here. Thank you to for be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Let's kick this off and, and go down the table and in just a couple of sentences, describe how you would say we are with the state of downtown Portland right now. We'll begin with Andrew. Sure, I think uh, it's clear that downtown Portland and Portland in general have experienced a marathon of crises and challenges that uh, are, are really divorced from the rest of the nation. And, and we, have, we have faced longer and harder challenges. The green shoots of recovery are here. They are evident, but we are at a crossroads. Down one path is continued recovery, continued prosperity. Down another path could be long-term economic decline. And we have to be vigilant and take immediate action to make sure that we go down the right path. And we'll dig into some of those actions in a moment. Kimberly? Well, you know, downtown's economic ecosystem really continues to face the lingering effects of the pandemic. But as Andrew mentioned, we're starting to see positive um, trends. And I think what we know is that the recovery is not going to happen overnight. It's going to take concerted effort. It's going to take collaboration. And I think that the ultimate result is going to look a little different. So we can talk a little bit about that. Okay. And Megan. Yeah, thank you. Building on what the two of my colleagues are saying, I think that, you know, the reality is that there is a work in progress element to what's happening in Portland. We've seen a lot of recovery that is starting. There are things that have been sort of fits and starts. In some cases, they've slowed down a little bit. When we look at it from a tourism standpoint, and we'll be able to share a little bit later some of the recovery that's happening, but it's definitely slower than in some other markets. And we want to do the work to help boost and, you know, kind of move things along in, in the right direction. Well, as you all well know, the top issue for Portlanders is homelessness. That's one of our, our big challenges, and the mayor has a new five-part plan to try to tackle it. City Council this week just approved funding for it, so let's talk about what's in that plan. It would ban unsanctioned camping, phased in over 18 months, while the city builds six large-scale sanctioned campsites. Residents will have access to food, case managers, and mental health and substance abuse treatment, and there will be on-site and perimeter security for nearby neighborhoods. And Andrew, the Portland Business Alliance did a survey that showed 80% of Portlanders support a plan like this. How critical do you think implementing this plan is to the future of Portland? Well, this is the game changer for the business community, not just for the business community, but for all residents of Portland. Uh, I think that the plan that you just laid out not just addresses the homelessness uh, issues specifically, but also is a game changer in housing creation and getting people on a pathway from the street to shelter to permanent supportive housing. So, and as you mentioned, it was clearly evident in the polling that this is where Portlanders are at. They are, that's, this is the plan that they want to see that addresses to scale and in a time certain manner the issues that we see and face on our streets every day. So for the business community, this is the alpha and omega of the issues that will allow us to be successful and to thrive. And I want to just address a little bit about how we got here, the stuckness. And I think it's clear to be 
um, open about the dominant voices in the Portland political conversations that have been, frankly, hyperbolic and, and politically dogmatic. And it's a very few that have dominated this conversation. And the reality is that it's infuriating to hear from time to time individuals who are self-described experts or claim to be experts that say that the solutions to homelessness are working. Well, you don't need to be an expert to walk out on the street and see that what we have been doing is not working. This plan is a departure from the status quo. It is urgently needed. And thankfully, the city council and the mayor, big credit goes to Mayor Wheeler and to Commissioner Ryan and to two other commissioners who voted in favor of this, plus the funding to back it up to address this crisis in an urgent matter. So I just think we're on the right track and the fact that Portlanders will be able to see a difference and understand what is gonna to happen to address the single most important issue is really exciting and it's a huge deal for our economy and for our business. Who are those voices that are saying the homelessness is working? I think again, it's those that ascribe to being experts, define themselves dogmatically and politically, ideologically, that have a status quo interest in maintaining the services that we have today. And I think those services are working and many times these are providers that are doing good work, but they're entrenched in the way that we've been doing business. And we all have to admit that isn't working. And while some of it is good, the reality is what we can all see on the streets. Well, let's talk about one of those other realities, and that is crime and how it's affecting businesses. And we've heard a lot from businesses are complaining about litter, trash, the feeling of being unsafe, break-ins, and businesses spoke out this week about it. Revan Optics said his business will leave the area without action to address safety. Salt and Straw has said it would move its headquarters if something's not done. Same for Stephen Smith Tea Maker. And the Nike factory store in Northeast is closed. We don't know if that's temporary. We've heard from a lot of businesses saying there's just rampant shoplifting. I mean, this is really affecting businesses. Kimberly, how do you think that this affects the future of Portland businesses? Well, it's certainly concerning. And, you know, I, I think about these just incredibly important businesses. We love Salt and Straw as a family, um, as the head of a, you know economic development agency. We, it's just, it's really um, disturbing to hear businesses that are having this experience. Um, and, you know, I, I just think we all recognize that our city and its residents cannot be healthy without healthy businesses that feel like they can expand and stay here. So I think, you know, our team has an opportunity to talk to businesses on a daily basis across the entire central city. Um, and part of that is because of the small business repair program that we have with funding from city council, which enables us to support businesses who've experienced vandalism, broken windows, et cetera. Um, unfortunately, it's been a lifeline for too many local businesses that have needed that. Um, but you know, through this engagement, what we continue to hear is that businesses really need a safe place and they need a clean place, both in order to have customers, but also to retain their employees. And so this is essential. I think we are seeing, you know, city council has said that this is a top priority. They are investing accordingly um, and they are partnering with Old Town Chinatown and with others to create, I think, what are really promising partnerships that can be replicated across the city. So I think it's something we take seriously and it's something that, you know, there are um, indications that we, when working together and in working in an innovative way, can make a real difference. Because fixing broken windows is great. I, I know they appreciate the support, yes. but it's not sustainable. That's right. And you talked about keeping employees here. So let's talk about uh, Megan Jobs and how right. that's what you have a slide that we brought along to show how we're doing when it comes to employment. Um, can you tell us about that? That's yeah. Kimberly, right? Kimberly was going to talk about yeah. that, right? I'm happy okay. to talk about that. 
and yep. we have this slide okay. here that talks about some, some areas of a city are doing better than others. That's right, so I'll just say overall in October of 2022, um, the, Portland, the city of Portland's employment was about 95% of where we were pre-pandemic. Um, and when you dig into the performance of the central city and of the sub-districts, what this graph shows you, um, if you look at the red circles, um, you'll see by sub-district the level of employment loss. And what you notice is that districts that have a higher proportion of employment in food and accommodations and entertainment, so places like downtown and Old Town, have suffered greater losses than other districts. So the Central East Side has actually recovered its employment or is in the process of recovering, um, and it has a healthier mix of um, business types. And when it comes to visitor impacts, yep. Megan, maybe you could talk to that. As what are we seeing compared to 2019, 2020, and 21? Are we recovering? Absolutely. We're moving in the right direction, but I will admit, as I said before, the recovery is a little bit slower than it is in other markets. And I think going back to the safety question, there is an element of you don't get to decide what people's perception is of your city. They have their own perception that's earned by the media coverage they see or other things. So we do perception audits of travelers and consumers around the country. And as we look at this visitor spend number, in particular where we were at about 5.6 billion in 2019, which was an industry high and coming off of multiple years of um, double digit growth. So that was a, it, an industry high in Portland for sure. Um, dropped down in 2020, obviously as a result of the pandemic, we're starting to climb back up. That growth over the 2020 to 2021 was over 70%, which is great. We're back to 3.6 billion, but we wanna continue climbing and the work is still there to be done in order to have people understand we're a viable destination for them to come visit. So we're on the right track, but yeah. nowhere near where we were in 2019. Correct. Well, how about when we talk about hotel occupancy? Mm -hmm. Where are we when it comes to talking about visitors, people coming back and staying downtown and the number of rooms sold? How are we doing there? Yeah, I think that you'll see the same trend um, here as you look at the numbers. These are numbers that are for January through October, so year over year. And you'll see, again, the significant dip that we saw during the pandemic. The other thing that as you look at a chart like this, where our occupancy numbers were, again, the peak within in the industry back in 2019, we're climbing back toward those numbers, but the market also has 2,000 more hotel rooms than we had in 2019. So that's a 20% growth. We only have 10,000 hotel rooms in the city. So the comparison isn't quite true, not apples to apples, but we are moving in the right direction and continue working with our hotel partners to advocate for the things that they need in order for their guests to come feel safe and feel like this is a destination that they'll go back home and recommend to their friends. So am I hearing you say that even during the pandemic, we opened more? hotel rooms? We did because there was a big construction boom that started in about 2017 and that construction continued and a number of those hotels actually opened during the pandemic years. Do you want to add to that Andrew? Yeah I just want to point out why this is so important because if you look at um, the way that our cities, our city, county, metro really collect taxes, a lot of it is actually predicated on the success mm -hmm. of the um, hotel hospitality industries. More visitors have come here, there's more tax revenue that's coming into the city, county, and metro. This because is, they pay, pay a hotel tax, right? We don't have a sales tax, but they pay a tax to stay. That's absolutely correct. So you just look at the nexus and the success of our governments being mm -hmm. financed to provide critical services. It's so dependent on the success of the hospitality industry. So this chart is key and critical to make sure it recovers fully. Well, another key to success, I understand, for downtown Portland is the office space mm -hmm. and filling the office space. So let's talk about the vacant office space and how we're doing there. Let me begin with Kimberly. If you could start there and Andrew, you can weigh in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I want to start with some positives. I think we're really glad to see um, employers like Lululemon and 
um, Thesis and Westward Whiskey and Sarah Architects and J.P. Morgan Chase, who've all either come into the central city, who've expanded, or who've um, re-upped their leases. And so we are seeing that there are businesses who are recommitting themselves or who are investing anew. Um, but you know, as you can see in, in the chart, when we look across the downtown districts, there's definitely um, a wide variety of experiences in terms of the vacancy rate. And some of those, similar to the hotels, is actually because there's been new investment and so there's more um, available within Goose Hollow and the Central East Side and uh, the Pearl District. But with a vacancy rate at 26% in our downtown, it's just imperative that we address this major challenge. Um, it's a challenge you know, as um, needing to have employment. It's a challenge for our tax base. It's a challenge for retailers who need um, people to be coming downtown. And I think this is gonna take creative solutions like thinking about um, increasing the amount of housing that's hap that is um, invested in in our central core. Um, it means potentially thinking about how we're retaining and recruiting businesses, whether that's incentives or the like. We really need to be creative because 26% is, We've never had, you know, we haven't had that number in, in anybody's lasting memory. And um, it's something that's not going to be a, you know, there's not going to be a quick fix. Um, but it is something that I think hopefully over the long term with some creativity we'll be able to solve. Andrew, are some areas doing better that already have residential uh, places, more residential? Absolutely. You go up to Slabtown, you see this mm -hmm. really distinct nexus between residential density and office uses. So just what Kimberly was saying is it, it's, it's a win-win for everybody. You invest in housing in our center city, you bring more people downtown, it also makes the office more attractive. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, just want to get to why this is so important because it's, it's, we have to be aware of this and it just literally happened yesterday. Mm -hmm. Your point about sales tax is critical. We don't have one here. The Seattle City Council just voted on their bud budget yesterday and it was a resource scarcity budget. Mm -hmm. They had a massive budget shortfall, and because similarly, they, they are weighted, like we are here, mm -hmm. um, on two pillars of income, and that's property tax, determined by the economic value of commercial buildings, and then secondly, on the business license tax mm -hmm. and the business income tax at the county level. So goes the center city, mm -hmm. so goes the city budget. And these things matter if we're gonna dig our way out of the economic recovery. And just what I wanna point out to what Kimberly was saying, we have to start deploying new tools. We have to learn new tricks and act like a competitor. Whereas before we've been on top of two decades worth of economic expansion, we are now going to have to have a paradigm shift. That means what she just said cannot be a dirty word, incentives. We have to talk about that openly and deploy new tools to make sure businesses stay here, mm -hmm. expand here, grow here. And we look and feel to the economy and to the business community like a good place to do business. What kind of incentives important. are you talking about? Tax abatements or rebates or anything that could be deployed in any other place. It, you know, we just have to borrow the typical playbooks of other cities. So mm -hmm. I think the tee up that I think Prosper is working on, which I think is brilliant, is analyzing what other places do mm -hmm. and how can we borrow from them and deploy them here in an economically and budget friendly way. Another really important thing for the health of downtown is foot traffic. And Kimberly, how are we doing? Are we recovering since before the pandemic with foot traffic downtown? Well, it's certainly better than it was. Um, and you know, I think what we um, know is that again, district by district, it depends. Um, but districts like downtown, which are so dependent on tourism, have been hit the hardest. Um, and so, you know, I think we have been collectively, both uh, Prosper Portland, Travel Portland, Portland Business Alliance, and so many partners thinking about how can we increase foot traffic. 
pandemic, um, increase events and have come together, you know, things like my people's market, which mm -hmm. brought in 2000 people um, just earlier this month, um, both Saturday and Sunday for, um, you know, to support 150 entrepreneurs of color. It was a fabulous event. We've seen partnerships with Old Town um, and you can literally see the just amount of people who are coming in increase when you have those events. So I think we'll, we'll talk more about what those opportunities are, but finding ways to bring people down um, has been really a top priority for a number of us. Well, we're going to take a break right now, but when we come back, we're going to find out what gives our panel hope. And we'll talk about some of the events coming up during the holidays that you won't want to miss. We're back in two minutes. Welcome back to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. The holidays have officially kicked off in downtown Portland. So exciting with the lighting of the Christmas tree in Pioneer Courthouse Square the day after Thanksgiving. There is a lot to look forward to in the coming weeks. Welcome once again to my guests, Megan Conway from Travel Portland, Andrew Hone from the Portland Business Alliance, and Kimberly Branham from Prosper Portland. They're going to tell us why they are still bullish on Portland's future. This is be a positive aspect to our show to really look forward. So I want to start with with hope, Andrew. What what gives you hope? You know, before the election, a lot of candidates were really focused and talking about how they were going to help Portland recover. Are you encouraged by what you've seen since the election? Yeah, I, I, to me, the symbol of hope that I look to is something that I haven't seen since I've been here. And I know you, you know this, but for your viewers, I, I moved here from from New York four years ago, and I've been in this job since June of 2018. And within one week of uh, electing a new governor, she appeared at Portland City Hall. And since I have been in my job, I have not seen the leader of the state show up at Portland City Council and pledge to work together. And I, I know that seems that maybe the bar is a little low, but it isn't. I mean, that, that having the state's top official show up and pledge to work with the city. And then simultaneously, right before the election, you saw both county chair candidates say, hey, we're, we're support the plan the mayor's laid out. We want to work with you, City Hall. I, I think this is reflective of a new spirit of collaboration. Maybe it, it took getting as bad as it has to force people to just recognize that we, we've got to work as we are in an emergency and in a crisis and work together. And I, I think it's the fractured relationships that have damaged our recovery so significantly. Uh, but I see a new spirit of, of working together and I want to just commend the governor-elect for doing this and also our chair-elect for showing up. Uh, and I think it's that working together is going to get us out of this mess and I have a whole new level of hope that we're going to be able to navigate these tough issues. And, and let's be honest, you know, the, the politics of running against Portland mm -hmm. failed. You know, the politics of running for Portland succeeded and I think Oregonians resoundingly, they elected a Portlander. And so I think all Oregonians want to see its flagship city su succeed mm -hmm. and because there's no example of a state that's successful when its center city and its flagship city are in crisis. So I think we're all on the same page and now it's just time to get to work. So you see the city, county and state working together. And I think uh, Tina Kotek said she would meet with the mayor every couple of weeks. Yeah, every bi-weekly bi meetings, not, not just that, but what we're, we're hearing more of is just this collaboration uh, 
uh, that's happening on resourcing issues and about effectuating this policy, declaring states of emergency, acting with urgency, all those things that you want to hear from your top state official, that's what we have been noticeably lacking. And so it represents a departure and a renewed sense of optimism. And I think it's a meaningful step. Well, something else that's meaningful and hopeful is what we're seeing in the media. In July, despite Portland's challenges, Time Magazine named Portland one of the top places in the world uh, in, in 2022. Quite an honor. Megan, let me bring you in and talk about some of the encouragement you're seeing through what we're seeing in the media, the media coverage. Yeah, I think, you know, people used to refer to Portland as a bit of a media darling. There were years where we sort of wondered if the New York Times would keep covering all the things that were happening here and then in come the pandemic. And I think that there was a, a, an influx of hope that we saw when Top Chef wanted to come here and film in the throes of the pandemic and 100 nights of protests and all these different things. And that sort of kicked off, I think, um, a conversation that we were able to have with media about what was really happening here, not not trying to sugarcoat anything, but talking about the evolution of our city and the movement toward a city that was maybe moving and evolving towards something that was maybe better than the version of itself that was here before. And within the last three to six months, we've had more coverage than I would say we've had at any single period of time, looking and really digging deep into Portland and the future of the city. Um, events like the My People's Market, but also small business owners. And I think that our job really, as we look at it, is to be sure that the tourism economy is reaching and impacting every segment of Portland, every community, small businesses across different neighborhoods. Downtown is certainly an element of that, but other parts of the city as well. And when you have a small business owner, um, like the owner of Mama Dut Restaurant, who has been featured on three Netflix shows in the past couple of months, also featured in Cosmopolitan Magazine, um, the opportunity that that gives for business owners to look and see how this can uplift our city and gives us as locals also an opportunity to go out and just explore these businesses. And, and the media success has been Pretty phenomenal. And what about people who come visit Portland? Yeah. You've done some studies about that. What are they saying about whether they would come back? Yeah, I think the thing that we really look at in our consumer sentiment survey, there are a lot of things we look at. What do people think about? Is the city welcoming? Is it safe? But one of the top indicators is if you've been to Portland before, are you thinking that you would come back? And those numbers have stayed really steady in the high 70 percentages of people who, um, you know, they've come here, they've experienced the city, whether it was before the pandemic, after the pandemic, but they still see us as a destination that they would want to come visit and Explore. Well, Kimberly, Andrew, Megan, tell us about some of the events coming up that we can look forward to. Do you want to start us off, Kimberly? Well, you know, I always love um, the tree lighting, which you just mentioned and is happening. Um, but of course, we've got Winter Lights Festival, which is happening um, a little bit later this winter. Um, and, you know, I, I've been thinking a lot about the fact that we got the NCAA win. Um, very exciting. That's right. In Final 2030. Four in 2030. So that's, you know, not tomorrow. But I think it's building on the fact that we just had a really successful Phil Knight Invitational um, college basketball tournament that wrapped up that uh, led to 8,200 room nights and tons of people that were coming in. So lots of positive. And we have a new happening. hotel that's opening. That's right. Right. The Ritz-Carlton will be opening this spring, which is a really exciting development. We talked a little bit about some of the hotels before, but certainly putting the city on um, kind of a different platform from a luxury property standpoint. It's certainly the highest end luxury hotel that we've had and will be for the Pacific Northwest, which really positions us nicely. Um, you talk about the NCAA Final Four. There are some of those other big sporting events where we really need a true luxury hotel to accommodate the suite needs or other things. The, the Ritz will help fulfill that. And I think that, you know, the other dynamic of the, the visitor aspect is meetings and conventions. And the catalyst that the 
um, booking of the Women's Final Four really starts for us to be able to go out as we sell the destination as a viable meetings and conventions destination is that the NCAA, they've come, they've seen everything on the ground here, they've visited the city, they've met with our elected officials, and they see us as a destination that can really host their event. And it gives us the opportunity to go out and pitch other business and bid on that business and with hopefully success. Are so we seeing more conventions come back? We're starting to see more. Um, we had a significant number that had been booked really on the impetus of the Hyatt Hotel opening at the convention center. So we had a couple of solid years that were booked out before the pandemic and those really held. Now we have a couple of years into the future that we really need to fill, but something like this type of booking, NASCAR coming last year, um, and really starting to look at what we're doing around the region is just showing people that the destination really provides a good opportunity for attendees. Andrew, I can give you about 45 seconds to wrap things up for us, tie a bow on it. Sure, I think uh, something that I would there was a sea change and I think we should just take a moment to reflect on this is that Oregon hosted the World Track and Field Championships which was the first time that that event had been hosted in in the United States and it was right here in Oregon and and we hosted the world here and I think this is who we are we're a Pacific Rim trading state we have been through a really hard time uh, but we have all the tools all the things that make a great place possible right here we have to be proud of where we live mm -hmm. and we have to start talking ourselves into having our swagger back. Honestly, we gotta get our swagger back and that's okay because we are a great city, we will recover and kudos to Portlanders for uh, really pressing the issues that are important to them on crime, livability and safety. We can't let up on that, but I'm optimistic and I think everyone else should be. Andrew, Kimberly, Megan, thank you for joining us here on Straight Talk and thank you for watching. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next week for Straight Talk.